0: I quit this a few weeks ago in Sunday school class. I went down through the kings, what I call the five good kings of Judah. For you that may not know this, uh, Israel started out with the king Saul. He was, he was really a pretty good man. He struggled and, and, and didn't, didn't care about the specificity of the Bible, didn't care about the specificity of the commandments that God gave him, and he broke some of that, displeased God, and God replaced him with a man named David King David now King David was anointed by Samuel which is a prophet and he had to flee for his life fifteen years after he was anointed now there's a lot of truth in that right there God may God may call you into something and then you may you after fifteen years you'd think well did God really did, God, I, did I really get anointed for this? Does God really want me to do this? But he was anointed king of Israel 15 years before he actually took the king of Israel, the position as king, while Saul was alive. Beautiful thing about David, he's a man after God's own heart, and you've got you to think deeply about what that means. He had a chance to kill Saul at least twice, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't raise his hand up against God's anointed. God likes that. Because what God raises up is what God, who God, I mean, even though Saul was, has some problems with God, and you know, he eventually was sent an evil spirit of the Lord to torment him, really until he would repent about it. He didn't, that we know of, and eventually died. In fact, in in his death, he went to a witch. He went to a witch, which he, by the way, had killed most of the witches in the land, which he should have, but he, he went to one, and broke the very thing he was doing, so the hypocrisy was pretty bad. So Saul David, David lived, reigned 40 years. Saul reigned 40 years, and then, I believe, uh, you have uh, Solomon. Don't, don't 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 help me out. Solomon for 40 years. Solomon, of course, as you know, he violated the word of God too. Marry marry uh, women of, of that weren't Jewish, that weren't of like precious faith. And so the Bible in the New Testament repeats that same command and not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So we're not to marry uh, a person that's not saved. Why? It, what did it do to Solomon? Well you say that won't do that to me. Well, he was the wisest man ever lived. How how would he work out? He didn't work out too good, did he? The women led him astray. The power of the ability of, the, of, the, of influence. again, there's a lot of truth there. the power of peer pressure and the peer pressure of those ladies took him the last part of his life. He tanked out, bottom was terrible. And it was so displeased God, he said, I'm going to divide the land. There was 12 tribes originally he was king over. He said, I'm going to take 10 of those tribes. And I'm giving them to a guy by the name of Jeroboam. By the way, Jeroboam had a great promising potential in history, but he didn't obey God either. He created an altar in Bethel, an altar in Dan, and said, these are your gods of Israel. And by the way, that's called the sin of Jeroboam. For 200, I think it's 210 years that the northern kingdom survived, you They never got over the sin of Jeroboam. That's why in the 20 kings that that reigned over those uh, 210 years, not one of them in the Bible is called good, not one of them. Boy, it's amazing. Now, in that same period of time, parallel with those 20 northern kings, there were 20 southern kings. What I mean by southern is the area of Jerusalem, and as it was, were Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes that were given to David, basically. And so, uh, to Rehoboam, a guy named Rehoboam. So Jeroboam in the north, Rehoboam in the south. They called them the Boam boys. They rule Israel. Rehoboam, uh, he did something stupid. As a, a box of rocks, he was given. He was given wise counsel by the old people. And uh, he took the counsel of the young peers, the man he grew up with, and he made a bad mistake there. The Bible did say that was of the Lord. It's interesting about that whole, you want to think about that a little bit. God can literally make you think you're thinking it of yourself, but you're not thinking it of yourself. He's helping you think it. So don't mess with God. And so you got the southern tribes, and you had out of those, they had eight good kings. So out of 20, you had eight good kings. You had five really good kings. Really good kings. And so we went over them in a Sunday school class. It was before Todd started uh, with us teaching. So I haven't finished that, so I'm going to finish it now. I want to talk about this. this is number 15, king number 15, ruled, ruled, I believe, 29 years in the southern. His name was Josiah. So Josiah, man, 2 Chronicles 35:18. Let's read some scripture because that's what this is, isn't it? It's a Bible study. And there was no Passover like that that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel. Samuel was the one that anointed Saul. He anointed David as a prophet. And so, uh, in fact, he's considered the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Samuel. He was the one that Han- uh, Hannah, his mother, uh, wanted to have children. She said, basically, give me children or I die. And Eli said, "What?" and, and so basically God said, okay, you're going to have a child. But she said, if I have a child, I'll give him to the Lord. And that's this man, Samuel. He turned out to be a great man of God. Wow. So the days of Samuel, the prophet, neither did all the kings of Israel such, uh, keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests, and the Levites, and all Judah and Israel that were present and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem. By the way, I wanted to make mention to Todd, to make sure that the people in the back can read what you put up, it's got to be 80 font. It's got to be 80. That's, that's about it. Can you read that in the back? I learned the hard way. But I couldn't read, I was sitting in the back, I couldn't quite read what you put up there on until... So I know you want to correct that, I know. But you want to put the 80 font. And Brother Chris can help you if you have any trouble with that. I learned that, of course, just by asking him. So, seven elements of Josiah's revival. By the way, that's way bigger than 80. That's just so that they see. it. Then people in the back. Sometimes they fall asleep and you got to watch them. For elements of Josiah's revival. Under Josiah they had the greatest they had the greatest Passover revival since Samuel. So the first thing my mind says is what in the world did Josiah do that made God happy and caused such a great wonderful revival as he had. And it makes sense to me that you would think about that and we're going to go quickly over that tonight over the mountaintop of it. First of all, he began to seek the Lord while he was young. He was only eight years old when crowned. Now, you know, we don't do kings, right? But we do elect 78-year-olds. But it it is amazing to me, eight-year-old crown. Well, I mean, an eight-year-old, he's not going to be given a bunch of orders or a bunch of edicts. But the point being, he started young. And when he was 16, the Bible says he began to seek the Lord, 2 Chronicles 34, 3. So at 16 years old, he began to seek the Lord. I began to seek the Lord at 17 years old, and at 18 years old, when I turned 18, I really gave my heart to Christ. So young people can make a difference by getting to know Jesus early on and giving their heart to Christ. It did. It mattered in Josiah's time. And when he was 20, he began to purge the evil out of the land, so as a 20-year-old, ruling in two southern tribes, he had some, at that point had, had some confidence built up in the people who followed him, and so he started purging out some of the evil that was been tolerated before him. The king Manasseh before him, what a horrible person. So the second thing we find, not only did he start with God young and sought the Lord while he was young, the second element of revival was his separation from evil was real. Anytime there's a real revival, there has to be a separation from evil, from what is wrong. What's evil? Evil can mean bad. The things that God considers bad. When you get right with God, the first thing that will go through your mind is is the things that he's displeased with that he wants you to get rid of. When I got right with God, I, I was smoking and drinking and doing some drugs. And I can tell you all of that immediately came to my mind is I got to drop all that. And it was hard. It was hard. Man, I mean, smoking was so hard to quit. I never thought I was going to get free of that demon. The other stuff wasn't wasn't hard to quit, but that particular one was very hard. God did that so I would never go back to it. Holiness of life, which means the exclusion of the faults, is what we see in, in the second element. He acted on what God showed him was wrong, not just talk. He didn't talk a good talk, but he walked a good walk. Second element of revival, he sought the Lord with his whole heart, which included his actions. A lot of times in Christianity, there's way too much talk and not enough walk. Your walk should, your. your let me see if I get this right. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Did you ever follow that? Okay. Number three, element of revival. God allowed more knowledge of His will and word. So when you come to God and say, "God, I want to serve You, and I'm willing to put away the things that displease You," and He'll make those things known to you. He'll make those things known to you. But I'm willing to do that. Then what God does is He gives you more understanding. He numbers begins to. It's like a pyramid. The more you know, the more you see. You need to know. It's an inverted pyramid. The more you know, the more you see you need to know. The more you know, the more you see you need to know. So knowledge brings the uh, awareness that you can get more knowledge and grow in Christ. That's part of our our, our growth in Christ. You, you get saved, you don't know anything about the Bible. You read the Bible, the Bible tells you, oh, there's a lot of thing in there that I can, I need to do. But the, but the first reading, I mean, how much of it you retain? Not much. Second reading, third reading, fourth reading, fifth reading, sixth reading, seventh reading, eighth reading. You start getting more and more and more. I think it's so vital uh, for your own spiritual, personal revival to be reading the Word of God. I particularly encourage you to read the whole Bible. Why? If you don't know the Old Testament, you don't know God. You say, well, I know the New Testament. Jesus, he is, yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But what Jesus did not come as, he came as a lamb. He didn't come as wrath. I've been reading repetitively. I've read 2 uh, Thessalonians. I listened to it. I'm on my about 12th time through it. And 2 Thessalonians is a powerful book. Only three chapters. But you see something in 2 Thessalonians that you don't see very much in the New Testament. You that are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and, fire, and flames of fire uh, with his angels and flames of fire. Um, yeah, I feel like Jim, uh, Jim Nod right now. It's going to be a byword. It talks about him coming and judging those who know not the gospel and obey not the gospel. You know, I mean, uh, in in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says he's going to send strong delusion that they believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. Think about that. Think about that. Is that the God you know? Oh, he hates evil. Now, he's given grace, grace, and grace, and love, and truth we're in right now, the age of grace, love, and truth. But when that, that is going to wind down. And when he comes back again, he's not coming as the little lamb. He's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah to put judgment on those who have opposed him and disbelieved him and denied him, though everything around them screamed there was a God. Even, I mean, we talked about that with, have you considered? The more I look around, the more I see God in everything. It's like my eyes are being opened. Is that an experience you're having? The flowers that you look at, the birds you look at. We have a hummingbird at my house now. It's a big deal in Florida. We have a hummingbird at my house. And if you've ever watched that, it's only that big. It's like a bug. And it's, it's a miracle bird. It's like a miracle that you can hover like that. And as you can go forward, backward, side to side, you know. What in the world? Just on and on and on. So the longer I'm saved, the more I'm recognizing as I look around the maker of all this. Now, it is not God. The hummingbird's not God, but He made it. And so it's a reflection of His ability to design, to fabricate. And so He just gets bigger and bigger and greater and greater in my eyes as I begin to have my eyes open as I grow. Well, I get a little bit of knowledge. It gives me more knowledge. I get a little bit more knowledge. It gives me more knowledge. I get a little bit more knowledge. It gives me more knowledge. I get a little bit more knowledge, more knowledge. People say, what are you going to do for eternity? We're going to to find out who God is. He's he's from everlasting to everlasting. It's going to take a while. Well, so God reacted to them when they repented, when he wanted to do the right thing. And When they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. That's the Pentateuch, by the way. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. They had lost signs of a declension, his ignorance of the Bible. They had lost the Bible. Even Josiah didn't even know about that. Uh, they found the Bible when they were cleaning the temple up, and the priest read it, and he came to him, and he read it, and, he, and eventually, he had him. well, it spread out to the next point here. Element number four. Josiah's brokenness at understanding the sins that had been committed, because if you ever read Deuteronomy chapter 27, 28, and 29, it'll, it, it, what in the world? You say, well, reading the Old Testament kind of bores me a little bit. Well, read Deuteronomy chapter 28, 7, 28, and 29. You won't be bored. He says, if you obey me, this is what I'm going to do for you. If you disobey me, this is what I'm going to do. And by the time you get done with that, you go, oh, Lord Jesus, help me to obey. Help me be the ones who obey. And, And Josiah, when he heard all that, he knew that they had broken the law. He knew why they were in such trouble. He knew why they had to fear Assyria coming down and taking them over. And then Babylon eventually coming to take them. He knew why they had broken the law. They had disregarded God. They had an ignorance of the things of God. So what did God do when he returned to God? He gave him the knowledge. He gave him more knowledge. He says, okay, you want to know about me? Here I am. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save us such of a contrite spirit. Psalm 34, 18. And he said, the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. Psalm 51. So, Josiah, when he heard it, he broke. Have you ever read the Bible and started crying? Yeah. Yeah. Those are good times. I read a book called Pilgrim's Progress. And it's one, of the, it's one of the classical books. Written by an old boy that spent 12 years in old slammy prison, rat-infested prison. And uh, during that time he wrote the book and I, wrote that, I read that book, and I laughed, and then I'd cry. Then I'd laugh, and I'd cry, and I'd laugh. It was the craziest thing I ever had. I had a strange experience, but it was powerful. They said if you had to have a, uh, only a few books and you had to go somewhere, what would you have? It's been said they'd have uh, Strong's Concordance, of course, the old King James Bible, and Pilgrim's Progress. Some other people add Fox's Book of Martyrs, which, would, would of course, would be a great addition. That's John Fox wrote down. All right, number one, review, sought God from a youth. Number two, separated from the evil he knew. Number three, more knowledge of the Bible was found. Number four, brokenness over the new sins discovered. Now number five, spirit of evangelism came. That's the beginning of revival of the spirit of evangelism. Then Chronicles, let's read it. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. This is after he read the book. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, the Levites, and all the people, great and small, and read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. He spread it. If you really love Jesus, you're going to want to spread it. Witnessing is not forced. It's hard to contain. It should be hard not to tell somebody about Jesus. Are you with me on that? Why would you hold back? If he did for you what he has done for you, and you believe that's what he's done for you, then telling somebody, I know when people have a baby, they want to go tell everybody, oh, I had a little baby, this is my little baby, this is my little baby, this is my little baby. Or if they bought a new house, they want to say, you want to see pictures of my new house? You want to see pictures? Or or uh, God forbid they have grandchildren on their phone. Calendar at home. You want to see my ugly grand? You want to see my grandchildren? No, I don't want to see your grandchildren. Well, here they are. Look at them. You know, you're going to see the grandkids, whether you like it or not. They're going to show you the grandkids. That's because they why they're ashamed of them, proud of them, thrilled about it. You got born from above. Go brag on Jesus. Go tell folks about him. Say, hey, man, I got saved. My sins are forgiven. They may they may score they may scorn you. But it's, it's part of being a part of God's spirit of revival. A higher degree of separation from evil. So as the process went on, he saw the law. And when he saw the law and got more knowledge, that more knowledge increased his sensitivity to evil. And he saw that they were doing some things that were just so wrong and displeasing to God that he started clearing things up. And Josiah took away all the abominations of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel, made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God, whether they liked it or not. And all their days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Basically, when the king gets right with God, everybody gets right with God. Constantine tried that. It doesn't work real well because, you know, you're getting people's actions, but you're not getting their heart, and you want their heart really. But in this particular case, they went with him, and God worked in the part of the people. Every good king that's considered a great king, there was a few things that were common that they got rid of. What were they? Anybody Anybody got an answer? What? Idol worship. What else? Sodomites. They took the Sodomites out of the land. That doesn't mean they escorted them out and gave them a free flight home. They took them out of the land. He killed all the Sodomites. Now, imagine, just even think about, in America today, if we said sodomy is illegal and we were going to put you in prison if you're a Sodomite. How'd that go over? But you know, when, uh, when Brother Strange was a young man, that was a long time ago, sodomy was illegal in almost every state of the Union. I know in Indiana it was. And if you were a sodomite and got caught in the act of it, you had to be, go for a judge and got some sentence to some prison time. You, all, you old-timers remember that? Raise your hand. Say amen. You young people aren't going to hardly believe that because it hasn't happened in your time. We've gone the wrong way on that for sure. You don't, God doesn't try to win the sodomite. He tells him what he's doing is going to send him to hell. It is wrong. The best thing you ever did to somebody is tell them a rattlesnake's right behind him. If I got this big old five foot diamond back, old curled up, tail going, ready to go, has his head cocked up and he's right near you, well, the best things I could tell you would be you need to move away from that rouse because it's gonna bite you. And when you tell somebody something's wrong, you're not being a hate monger. You're not spreading hate. You love them. You're a love monger. You're saying if you don't quit this, it's gonna send you to hell. If you don't quit this, it's gonna destroy your life. If you don't quit this, it's going everything's gonna, everything that you ever dreamt of is gonna be gone. That's what the truth of the matter is. Same thing with adultery and other sins, right? I realize that. <coughs> Seventh element of revival. There was no Passover like that of kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, the priests, and the Levites, and Judah, and Israel, there were present inhabitants of Jerusalem. So some last comments. That's a preacher's frivolous words that it may be over. Josiah followed each step, growing and expanding his desires to follow God, God reacted to his following with more light and more blessings, though Josiah Josiah had no godly heritage. By the way, he didn't have any encouraging, he was not homeschooled, he did not have any encouraging parental help. Oh, I'm encouraged by that. I just got a wave of encouragement. He overcame and God did a work greater than all the kings before him. You don't get saved circumstantially. You get saved supernaturally. You have to choose Jesus no matter what your mom and dad did if you want to be saved. I am actually more fundamental than my mom and dad. It's rare that you'll see a child become more, go further to the right than their mom and dad, but I have gone further to the right than they were, they were at. Most of the time, children move left. That's because that's where all the pressure is at. Pressure is to move everybody away from God. But in this particular case, you've got to decide that the Bible is going to be your guide, not tradition, not what my mom and dad did. Josiah had to decide my mom and dad didn't live for God, but I'm going to. I got an old statement that says, if everybody around me wants to go to hell, I'm not going. Y'all decide to be heretics. I'm not going to be a heretic. I'm not going to let my peers drag me away from God. And that was where he was at. He had strong strong to do that. Some more last comments. 30 minutes from now, we'll be on our last last of the last comment. No, Revival can come from the darkest of times. People tell me they're so discouraged by what's going on around us. Well, it is. It is. It is. It's it's maybe a little bit more discouraging for us old boys. I mean, you know, people like Strange and, and people like Zook and people like Morris, people like Tom, really old boys. They know what it was in the old days. You get around them, they'll tell you, the old days, we used to do this, the old days. And boy, you think, boy, those were good days, weren't they? But be of good cheer. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And and there's been no revival that I know of. I've read as much as I know to read, tried to hunt, any revivals we had, whales and other things. that it wasn't so dark before the revival. In other words, it looked like in the 1700s, there were people, deists, that said Christianity is dead. The idea of Christianity is finally dead. I think they were wrong. Revival sparked on old Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That sermon went wild. God did something mighty through that thing. It was... Preaching a monotonal voice by candlelight. And literally God shook the room. And it went all over. It started out, I hate to give credit to the East, but it started out in the East. and swept through the country. Eventually. So, a guy, like, a guy like Martin Luther. How dark was it in Martin Luther's time when the Catholic Church was selling forgiveness? I mean, they were ruling with a rod of iron. Total, total abandonment of the truth. And little old Martin Luther, he's a monk, you know, studying the scriptures. He knew the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, and he was knowledgeable. When he studied the Bible, especially the book of Romans, he said, man, the Catholic Church is wrong. We're saved by grace through faith, that not through works and selling penance. You can't sell forgiveness and na-na-na-na-na. And so he wrote 95 objections to the Catholic Church and pinned them on the door at the, at the uh, church at Worms, I think it was, Germany. Boom! A fire broke out. And the Protestant movement started. Now we Baptists are really not part of the Protestant movement. We were already there. We were already believed the Bible. There's always been a fundamental independent Baptist group. They call them, we've been called Anabaptists. We've been called, there's about six, seven names we've gone by. But we were already there. We already believed the book, but we were just small and being, and being squished down, not much history. You know, we don't make history. But that's when big groups began to get right with God. He started, they started a domination called the Lutheran Church. Now, by the way, Lutheran Church used to be solid, solid under him. Revival can come when all hope is lost and no one seems to love God. Before any recorded revival, there was a time of declension and decline spiritually. Now my last thought of my last thought. You want to do something to help your family and your country and your children. People say, how can we save America? Be a Christian. I mean, be a fundamental Bible-believing, King James Bible Christian, sin-hating, God-loving born again, witnessing, zealot for God. That'll be the only thing. If America's ever going to be saved, it'll only be saved if it turns back to God. Do you all agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be saved by our Trident submarine, 190 nuclear weapon on one submarine. You'll not be saved by a Trident submarine. See God as Josiah did, and respond to what your Bible—were you reading the Bible deeply, personal, and passionately? And I end up with a one of the greatest blessings beside being born from above that I've ever received. That little woman. What a blessing! I I've, I am so blessed tonight. Waves of blessing come over me when I think about it. How God allowed me to be with this woman. Or maybe should I say, maybe allowed her to be with me. We have fun together, her and I. We yell at each other. We do, we yell at each other. She's Irish, you know, she yells at me. Irish and Latino, God forbid, never have a men her breed. And uh, and you know she yells at me. I yell at her, and we just laugh. And she says, "I says why are you yelling at me?" She says, "Cause you can't hear." Oh, okay. And then when you when you can't hear, you say, "You don't have to yell because you know sometimes you hear better than others." Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible. Pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct us. May the Lord Jesus that you come in a great wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof. You know not where it comes or goes. Such are they born of the Spirit of God. May you come. May there be a wind upon us. May, may, we, may you raise up some of these young people. Like you did Josiah. To stand for you in the midst of a declension. In the midst of darkness. In the midst of sodomy in a It's of wickedness. It would stand for truth. Help them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285.